Community Church. Good morning, online worshipers and Alma. Good to have you here today as we move into the second of a series on the life of Moses for this summer. If I were to give a title to this particular message, you'd recognize it because you've heard it before, the, the title. Remember watching a television show or hearing on radio these two words, but wait, remember that one? They promise you the world, but wait, you can get two of them. Well, I think the whole message of Moses in this particular part of his life is all about waiting. It's God saying to Moses, 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 wait. And we'll talk about what that means today. Moses is going to do something bad and run away. And in that process... I think God wants you to learn seven principles today. Now, it's not a seven-point message, don't worry. But there's seven principles that I believe just jump off the story of Moses. So what I want to do is read that full story again from Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were and watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and saw two Hebrews fighting. He asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew?" The man said, who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. When Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. Some shepherds came along and drove them away, but Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flock. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, why have you returned so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the flock. And where is he? Ruel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat. Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. That passage opens up with one day after Moses had grown up. You see, the first few years of Moses' life, his sister had permission from Pharaoh's daughter, who found Moses in the bulrushes there, to have Moses' mother actually nurse him and raise him. And that could have been to the age of five. So he had a lot of input during those first five years about his heritage as a Hebrew child. But then he was taken into the palace. And there, everything changed for him. There he learned not only the Hebrew, which he had learned at his mother's knee, but he learned Latin, he learned Greek, he learned Egyptian. He was a very well-educated man because he was being groomed 
his adopted grandfather was the Pharaoh. It was very possible that he might be the one who would then rule Egypt in the days to come. Moses was well instructed. Acts 7.22 says, Moses was instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And then the writer of Hebrews adds to that, he says, but he chose to be mistreated with the people of God. Right, so there was a point in Moses' life where he made a decision. He knew God had called him to a special calling. He knew there was something God wanted him to do. And that day as he was watching an Egyptian soldier punishing a Hebrew slave, it clicked with him. I can stop that. I have the power and the authority. I will do it. And he killed him and he buried him in the sand. Moses' faith in God is unquestioned. That wasn't the problem that Moses had at this time. He had a problem of timing. He knew what God wanted him to do, to be the deliverer. But he tried to figure it out under his own power in his own time. And that's what got him into trouble. You have to learn to wait upon the Lord. There, there are a lot of great people in history of the Bible who have learned to wait upon the Lord. Think about Abraham. Abraham's 100 years old when finally he has this child that's going to change the world forever. I mean, he waited a long time for that. The woman who touched the hem of Jesus' garment and she had had an issue of blood for 12 years and suddenly it was gone. She waited 12 years for that to happen. Or think of Daniel in his prayer, and he has to wait weeks before that prayer comes and an answer to him. And my favorite is, what about Lazarus, who's four days in the grave? You know, come on, Jesus. And finally, he's called forth, and he comes out. Waiting on the Lord is an important thing, and this is the first principle. Moses had come to a crisis in his life. Each of you will enter a crisis of identity. And when you enter that crisis of identity, that's when you have to decide how you're going to live to fit into the identity you have adopted. What was his identity? He saw himself as deliverer, but the method he used was wrong. He got it out of step, out of order. The three steps that God uses with every one of us. There's that inward call. That first part of an inward call is where he has called you to come into a relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's when many of you in here accepted Christ and said, okay, I'm going to turn my life over to you. That's the first half of an inward call. The second half of it is when he says, now here's what I want you to do to bring glory to my name. And there, you know, this is what God has for me to do. But you're probably not ready yet. So the second step is preparation. God prepares those whom he calls. And sometimes that time of preparation can be moments or weeks or months or years, decades even. There have been many people who have gone through this. Think of Joseph. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him because Joseph had a dream. That dream was part of an inward call. That someday, Joseph, you will rule over your brothers. Well, they didn't like that idea, so they sold him into slavery. What happened to him? 
He was refined and disciplined and challenged by God. And over 13 years, he waited for that day when he became the first of the deliverers of Israel because he brought Jacob and the family into Egypt so that they would not suffer the famine. And he said to his brothers, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. In other words, that 13 years prepared me now to do what God's called me to do. Every one of you have that first half call from God. You're called into relationship with Jesus. And every one of you have a call from God to use who you are as a witness for him in this world where he's placed us. And every one of ours is different. But he is going to prepare you before he calls you. Now, some of you may have already accepted Christ. Some of you may already understand what he's called you to do. Others, you're in a time of preparation. And still others are actually doing what he's called you to do today. But you need to learn to wait upon the Lord. Because until it's ready, God's not going to use you the way he wants to. Moses got ahead of God. I grew up in a home with my grandmother, wonderful woman of God. To call her a cook would be a disservice. She was more of a chef. And every Saturday, she cooked and cooked and cooked because she would not cook on Sunday, and nor would she let any of us. We all had to observe the Sabbath day. And I remember one Saturday, I went into the kitchen. There was a wonderful dish. I don't remember what it was. And I said, Mama, may I have some of that? She said, no, not yet. I said, why not? She said, because it has not yet had the marriage of flavors. I'm going, I don't want to go to a wedding. You know, I want to eat that. But she said, it's not ready. Sometimes you get ahead of God. You're not really ready, but you think you're ready. And then you fall on your face. I think it's almost laughable When Moses kills the Egyptian, buries him in the sand in Egypt, sand blows in Egypt. And he says, oh, somebody must have found out. Really? Of course they found out. God told them. Because he wasn't going to let Moses get away with it. He wasn't finished with Moses. Moses was not yet ready. Second principle. He is making you to the perfect point of his pleasure. Mixing you to the perfect point of his pleasure. God's not done with any of us. Whatever you're doing today is a call he has upon you today. But it's also a call in preparation for tomorrow. He's not done. We're still here. There are things he's called us to do. So we need to learn to wait upon the Lord. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Now, I'm not talking about the kind of waiting you do when you're sitting behind a person who's texting at a traffic control light and the light turns green and they don't go. Don't you just love those people? Don't you just praise God for them? You know, well, you're better than I am. And then they realize it and they hit the accelerator and they're gone. (laughs) Okay? That's not the kind of waiting I'm talking about. The Hebrew word for wait is pronounced with a guttural as chava. And what it means is to entwine yourself into the presence of God. 
Think about that for a minute. If I'm going to wait upon the Lord, that means that I'm not waiting for him to show up or to do something. I am in his presence, and I'm very comfortable and at peace while he's preparing things for me to do. I'm not anxious. I'm not fearful because I know that God is on my side, and and God is working in me because he said, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And so I am confident when I wait upon the Lord. Moses didn't wait. Moses got ahead of God. Well, nobody had ever told Moses he had to wait. That's one of the deficiencies that you and I run into in our Christian faith, and that is many of us have not been properly discipled. We haven't been taught how to wait upon the Lord. Moses wasn't taught that. I was blessed because for 28 years, I was not a believer. But when I became a believer, it was under the ministry of Dr. Robert Davis. Bob Davis was a big man, 6'7", 280 pounds. They called him Tiny. Well, Tiny Davis was an All-American football player. And he was drafted by the Chicago Bears in the 1950s to shore up their defensive line. And he told me, he said, I had to decide, is this what God has been preparing me for? I know I'm a great football player. Does he want me to go play football and be a witness on the football field in the world of professional football or not? And so he waited upon the Lord. He came close to God. He walked in the woods each day for three days. He'd go back and he'd walk and he'd talk to God. And when he came out, he said, God has called me to preach the word. Now, that's the man who led me to the Lord. And he took me under his wing. And he discipled me for several years. And in every area that I was discipled by him, I still have victory. In the areas where I wasn't discipled by him, there have been struggles. Because you have to be taught how you are to live for God. God is preparing you to carry out his call. What's your desire? Is it to really wait upon the Lord? You see, there was a turning point in Moses' life then. He commits this murder. Now, it's not that he didn't have a right to do it. There is an Egyptian law that actually says, if you see someone abusing another person and and harming them, and you don't do something about it when you could, then you are going to be held guilty, and you can be killed for it. So he had Egyptian law on his side when he did this, but that wasn't God's law. So Moses reached a crisis point in his life, a turning point. That's when he met this Egyptian. And I love this statement in Exodus 2.12. He says, Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. Let me tell you, when you look this way and that to make sure nobody's watching, that's the action of a guilty conscience. He already knew he shouldn't do what he was about to do. He wasn't sorry that he did it. He was sorry he got caught. And so Moses is really a confused guy. He's he's looking both ways. Moses 
had to leave that royal background, that authority and privilege he had, because he thought his actions were good. But our third principle is this. Well-intentioned actions that are out of accord with God's plan gain nothing but trouble. When you think you have the right plan and it's not God's plan, it's just going to cause you trouble. His zeal was out of control. He acted on impulse. He was impatient. He was working in the flesh, not in the spirit. He wasn't waiting for God. It's hard to wait, isn't it? Because we keep wondering, am I prepared yet? Am I prepared yet? Preparation is a hard thing to go through. I remember in seminary, a student asked our preaching professor a question. Now, this student saw himself as God's next great gift to preaching. And hopefully he became that through his life. I really don't know. But he said... Professor, why is it that I have to do so much preparation to preach? Can I not just stand up in front of a congregation? And can't I just say what the Spirit gives me to say? Professor, being a very wise man, said, Certainly, son, whenever you stand before the congregation, you want to say whatever the Spirit gives you to say. There's no doubt about that. Here's your problem if you fail to prepare. When you open your mouth, this may be what comes out. You are not prepared. <laughs> See, trying to do something for God before he has you ready for it is a real mistake. You need to just embrace him, wait upon him, be close to him until he gives you that permission to go. Moses was a somebody in Egypt, wasn't he? High and lifted up. God needed him to become a nobody in Midian so that everybody would forget about him, so that then God could bring him back, that somebody who'd become a nobody could deliver everybody. That's what God wants to do with you and me. He has a plan for every single one of us. Fourth principle, spiritual ends are not achieved by carnal means. In other words, and listen carefully to this, it's never right to do wrong in order to do right. Never right to do wrong in order to do right. You're not going to justify the end by wrong means. Moses runs. He knows he's blown it. He said, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not the deliverer, I guess. I'll just run away. Now, he doesn't run to the north because he knows that there's some people up there that would turn him in. So he runs south. He goes to Midian. Midian happens to be of the tribe of believers, and it's believed that this priest was a follower of God, so he's going to friendly territory for Hebrews. But he was wandering, because our next principle says this, sin leads to wandering. It creates instability, restlessness, and fear. Let me tell you something you already know. You know when you sin. You know it because you're there when it happens. And you made the choice. So that's why it, you become restless. You don't know what to do unless you bring that sin to God and confess that sin. But Moses had no plan. He had no hope. He had no future. He had no idea what he was going to do. So what does he do? Well, it's time to have a little rest and something to drink. So he sits by a well. 
Little did he know that's a family tradition. Abraham met Rebekah at a well. Jacob met Rachel at a well. And Moses goes and he gets the lottery. He gets seven women by the well. And ultimately, he marries one of those, Zipporah, and he has a son. You see, when he was waiting, God was working. That's your sixth principle. When you're waiting upon the Lord, God's still working. Don't think that God has forgotten you. That it doesn't seem that anything's happening. Things aren't going the way I thought they were. Wait. What do you mean by wait? Get close to the Lord. Get into the Word. Get into that relationship. Deepen yourself with Him and hear what He has to say to you. Moses needed to become a shepherd. For 40 years, he had been royalty. And now for 40 years, God was going to make him a shepherd. Why? What's the point about being a shepherd? Well, let's think of Moses, first of all, in his royalty. He would wake up in the morning on a silk sheet bed with the fans that were moving, and he was just very comfortable He'd get up, he could take his bath, and servants would be there to dry him, and they'd put his robes of royalty on him, and he'd walk into the, the dining area, and there a spread of food would be, just anything that he wanted to eat. And then he could call for his chariot, and they would bring it, and he'd get up in it, and maybe he had a driver sometimes, and sometimes he didn't. But, I mean, life was good for Moses. Moses was being groomed, and God said, That'll never work. I needed you to understand that particular world because someday I'm going to have you addressing that world because you understand it. But there's something else I need of you. I need to flip you upside down. I need to make you a shepherd. Why a shepherd? Well, because a shepherd woke up in the fields, his head on a rock, having slept the night, unless predators were coming. At that point, he'd get up and he'd have his cloth robe on and he'd put an abba over him, which was made of camel hair because it let the water run off of it and it was a warm garment for sleeping. He had a a leather girdle that he would put around him that would hold all these things together. And he carried a rod and that rod was usually made of oak and it was fashioned so that there was a knob on the end of it and they would put spikes and nails and things in it because that was his weapon, not only to protect himself, but to protect the sheep that he was guarding. And he had his famous crook, that crooked piece of wood that he would use to pull the sheep back in or to ward something off from it. As for food, he could only have enough food that he could carry in his little satchel on his side, and that would have some cheese and some olives and some bread, maybe a little something to drink. His responsibility was to take the sheep to feed them. In the summer and in the spring when harvest was taking place, after the harvesters, after the widows had come through, then the sheep would come, and they would take whatever was left. But in the fall and the winter, he had a more difficult time because he'd have to take them somewhere to make sure they were fed. And it always had to be near water. What a difficult job. What an absolute radical difference from who he had been. And so for 40 years of royalty, 
He had 40 years of shepherding. Now when God looks at him, God sees him cloaked in righteousness. God is going to hand him a staff that will do the miraculous. God is going to use Moses the way God intended, but God had to prepare him. God is going to use you every way that he's intended, but he has to prepare you. Now, are you prepared? Are you ready? Or have you even yielded to him yet? God's not going to use someone that he has not personally crafted. Because he has power available to do what he's called to do with his people. And he wants to pour that power through you to achieve his purpose. That's why he's prepping you for it. Let me illustrate this way. I'm sure that almost everyone in here is either seen or knows of Niagara Falls. Yes, the largest waterfall in North America. Approximately 6 million cubic feet of water flow over that precipice there every minute. 6 million. But I bet you didn't know this, that before it gets there, more water than that is diverted. And it's taken through four tunnels and goes into electric, hydroelectric power areas where it creates power. And that power is used both in Canada and in North America. But you don't see that. And then the water comes out the other side and rejoins that which was flowing over the cliff. Now, here's what God does. God, through his Holy Spirit, flows through you so that you can use his power to accomplish his purpose. If you want to use your power, then you're going to go over the cliff in the waterfall. But if you want to use his power, he's going to funnel it and channel it the way he wants it to go. So it's up to you to make the choice. Will you wait to be prepared? Are you prepared? Have you come to know Christ? But most of all, are you willing to wait upon him? Let me close with this story, which is uh, not a true story, but it really makes the point. There was a king, a king of a country. And this king was ready to retire, but he had no male heirs. What in the world am I going to do? Well, I know what I'll do. And he called out to all of the young men in the territory. He said, we're going to have some contest and narrow it down to three people. Well, over a period of weeks, they did that, and now there were three young men remaining who were viable candidates to be the next king. And so they lined up, and he said, you're going to run a foot race. And the man who was in charge of handling the race then went to each racer, and he said to each one of them, none of them knowing what he had said to the other, the king is watching you closely. Do not leave the start until you get the special signal from him. And each one of them said, okay. And then the man who was starting the race said, go. Well, the first guy just took off. And the second guy saw the first guy take it off, so he took off behind him. And the third guy just stood there. Two men ran the race. They came back. The king said, all right, why did you run? And the first man said, I forgot that I was supposed to wait for the signal. Why did you? The second man said, well, I saw him running, so I took off. 
He looked at the third one. Why didn't you run? Well, I, I didn't hear you give me the signal. And the king said, yes, you're the one. Because you see, I knew you could run, but I didn't know if you could wait. Can you wait for God to do what he's calling you to do? Pray it down so that God will accomplish it. Jesus waited 30 years to reveal who he was. And then 40 days before he started his ministry. And then three years in public with it. And then three days to gain the victory. Waiting upon the Father at each venture. Wait upon the Lord. The Lord will change you and everything in your life to make you what he wants you to be. So will you wait upon the Lord? Let's worship the Lord together now.